0: A Podcast One production.
1: G'day, welcome to Be A Man. This episode is all about toxic masculinity. Gus Warland here. Dr. Happy, how are you, mate? I'm very good, and I'm
0: very excited about I guess, today. You've got a man crush, haven't you? Uh,
1: this is a person I've, I've admired his work for quite a few years now, and, and very
0: interested in his perspective on this topic.
1: Exactly. Tim Winton is the name of our special guest. Of course, he has won many awards and probably Australia's number one contemporary author at the moment, and uh, we're going to talk to him about toxic masculinity. The fact that it's very difficult, Doc, to live up to the stereotypical Australian bloke and the fact that it's it's killing us trying to do that.
0: Yeah, and look, what's interesting is that many of Tim's characters are these blokes with toxic masculinity, they're often outsiders, they're often in regional or rural areas, so they're often a bit rough around the edges. And yet clearly he's a highly intelligent intellectual with a full range of emotions that he, I guess that do infiltrate his characters in some way. So, you know, I'm fascinated to hear his perspective on getting that balance. I mean, how do we hold on to our strength but also learn a bit about vulnerability as well?
1: The thing I want to make sure we don't do in this podcast is sort of men bash. It can come across that way that we're trying to fix the Australian man. We're trying to tell them to do things differently. There's a lot of what we do is absolutely awesome. There's a lot of things that being an Aussie man is fantastic. What we're trying to do is just educate ourselves a little bit more, as I was a few years ago, and as you have been doing for over a decade, to help blokes get through things that at the moment we're losing six beautiful men a day. So there is a problem and we can't ignore it. Let's go to our guest right now, an absolute legend. He's won the Miles Franklin Award four times, been named a living treasure by the National Trust, and has had countless works adapted for TV and film. Welcome to Be A Man, Tim Winton. Oh, thanks for having me. Toxic masculinity. You give talks all around the country on this topic. Can you explain to us
2: what this exactly means? Oh, it's a te- technical-sounding term, really, but it's just, a, you know, in my view, it's just a way of being a bloke that's not good for women and not good for blokes. You know, if your if your version of manhood uh, makes other people afraid or compromises their life or narrows their life, then that's that's not healthy. And if something's not healthy enough, eventually it becomes poisonous. And I think that's you know that's what we're seeing in in our culture, where you know, blokes. Uh, basically sucking up all the space, assuming um, too much and uh, giving too little. Tim, the men that I talk to are sort of like, well,
1: this is just the way that it is. Um, And you're trying to say there, we're trying to break down the stereotype as we are in our lives too, Doc. The, the, The problem is that they see their father, they see their grandfather, they see that's just the way that it's meant to be. So that's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Even if you do get through to someone, it's like it's easier to slip back to the old stereotype, you know what I mean? So why yeah. can't we change something that was done so long ago that had nothing to do with us?
2: Yeah, it's just it's just modelling. And when you're, when you're bumping into other people who are living a different kind of life, you think, well, okay, how come they can do that? You know, and when you meet men who've you've got a bigger range than just, you know, it's almost as though we've got a toolbox, and it's a big rattling thing, and there's only three tools in it. And you mm-hmm. meet somebody who's got nine tools; he's got yeah. a, a broader range, a bigger life. And you think, well, they're happier than me. They're more interesting mm-hmm. than me. Women are more interested in them than me. Well, why wouldn't you want that? You know, if um, I, I just think it's peculiar. I think we're at, yeah yeah you're right. We're at the mercy of the modelling that we're we're given, but we know better now. And I think there, there's, there really isn't any excuse anymore. You do see boys endlessly replicating um, the, the modeling that they're getting at home. And sometimes they're not getting any modeling at all yeah. at, at home. And, and a lot of, you know, we see a lot of teachers in schools, uh, a lot of sports coaches having to actually do the parenting mm-hmm. for the, you know, they, they're reaching kids who actually haven't been parents, you know. They were completely uh, ignoring their own obligations. And and we see boys turning into toxic monsters either by negligence or indulgence. I mean, you see some kids who just have have never been given any limits, they have just never Mm -hmm. been given any shape. And thank God that there are people, you know, those teachers and those sports coaches out there who were picking up the pieces. But it shouldn't be their job, you know. I think... Mm -hmm. um, Parents are abrogating their responsibilities.
0: Hmm. I guess that the big debate about nature versus nurture, and if you look at most young boys, really young boys, they don't necessarily have some of these traits of toxic masculinity, they learn them. And in fact, the research supports that um, most of the concepts that we or definitions that we associate with manhood are, are learned, uh, we're taught them through our role models. So, I mean, what does that suggest about the way forward, do you think? I mean, clearly, you know, there isn't a biological excuse. We can't use genetics, I don't think, as an excuse. But then, as you said, not necessarily everyone has the right role models. So, uh, I guess particularly the ones that don't have the ideal role models. How, how do we get to
2: them? Well, I mean, it's it's, it's education and it's conversation. I, I think you know, uh, you know, I'm in the I'm in the water a lot as a surfer, and it's fascinating for me to. As a surfer, you're sitting in the water waiting for a wave to happen. That's mostly what you do as a surfer. You're just sitting around like a tea bag, you know. Um, and because and because there's nothing going on for so long, people do talk. So I'm listening to, and I'm you know 50 years older than most of the people in the water now. And, um, uh, something that I guess I should be happy about, but it's yeah. odd. And the, and the nice thing about getting older, and this is something that we can share with women. The women listening will understand. Is after a certain age, you just become invisible, um, <laughs> so they don't even notice that I'm there. These kids are all talking, in the, and I'm listening to the way that they're that they're conversing, and and sometimes that can be lovely. I mean, the kinds of things that boys are saying to one another. I mean, sometimes it makes you want to hug them, you know. Um, mm. Other times it makes you embarrassed to be an, <laughs> a man or ashamed to be a man. But the thing is that they're that they're kind of rehearsing, you know. They're protecting mm. their, their masculinity. But, it, but now and again, they're saying things that are just disgraceful, usually things that are, you know, they feel obliged or entitled to say about women. And there's this kind of misogynistic trash talk. And you l- I look around in the water and think, well, there's, there's all these older blokes here and they all know better and some of them are good people. Um, but nobody steps in. Nobody mm. says, oh, come on, mate, pull your head in. You know, really? You're going to say that about a girl? Mm. Really? Haven't you got a mother? Haven't you got a sister? Um, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of men who know better, mm. but they, they don't step up. And I think in public life, just in your normal um, private life, people going about their business, people stay in their box and nobody steps up. But in the same way that if if someone throws, you know, dumps a trailer full of crap on, you know, in a bit of bush, someone will pull over and say, come on, mate. Really, you're going to do that? Mm. So, in terms of changing people's behaviours, I think we just, men need to step up and take responsibility mm. for boys around them. To, and if it's good enough for a sports star, you know, like a footy player, to to be told by his team and by the general public that he's a role model, that he, you know, he's visible person and and, and people are watching, and you know, you've got to you've got to show you know be a, you know show a good example. Then wh- why isn't that the same case for? Uh, a chippy or a, or a bank manager, um, mm. you know, you, you've got to be held responsible for your behavior and you've, you've got to show people that uh, there's a better way of being a bloke than this endless pattern of, you know, repetition. And in the same way, look, we're all taught, you know, we all know about diet now, we all know about exercise. Yeah, you can sit down and uh, fang down the fat and the sugar and, and, <laughs> and blow your aorta, a, you know, you know, big blast of bloody glory that's 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 your right but most of us now think well we've got to sharpen up and be better than that and we by and large people are doing that so so why not change our behavior Mm. in this in this other way that has more probably more impact on other people around us i think it's within our power to do that and 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 if it's within our power why the hell aren't we um all doing that and you know the nature nurture thing yeah i think i think kids are you know naturally wild and I think that's great boys and and girls and even when they're at their most feral when they're little, kids are just sweet you know and lovely. Um, but yeah we learn to be savages being wild and being a savage and I think we're we're training boys in particular to be savages and so be no surprise why our detention centers are jails and jails are heaving with those savage boys you know
1: i think there's certain things that we we're given permission to do like a man can cry when he wins a grand final he can cry at the birth of his child he can cry at the death of his mate funerals those type of things but there's just other things that we just don't get permission to 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 act a certain way and that's what Mm. we need to change we need to let them know that it's absolutely fine to show those emotions you know when it's not things that that are Stereotypically okay from the from the past, but talking about your life-changing moments Um, Your father's motorcycle accident when you were such a little boy that had a huge factor on your masculinity Tim Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think I had pretty decent modeling from the get-go to be honest I mean my dad was a copper and um, but he wasn't your average copper (laughs) my mate used to come home from school and then they'd we'd come into the kitchen, and uh, I could they'd feel them fall silent and stand behind me, I'd look around, and have their mouth open because they were looking at my dad in his uh, in his coppers outfit, stripped down to his singlet, but he'd still have his boots and everything on, and he'd be at the ironing board um, and <laughs> have his handcuffs hanging off at the end of the <laughs> ironing board and the truncheon, and he'd be doing helping mum out with the ironing, you know, watching daytime TV, about to go on the shift, you know. Yeah. But um, there was this other thing that happened. Yeah, dad got into a Horrible accident when he was at work one day he got knocked off his motorbike and um, went through a brick wall and uh, He was gone for weeks. He was he was in a coma and when when he He was you know just totally smashed up and and it was weeks and weeks and weeks and when they finally brought him home from hospital He was so smashed up that uh, he was bedridden and mum couldn't get him from the bed to the bathroom because he was you know he lost a lot of weight, but he was still a big fella. Mm. And um, so she just, I mean, she had three little kids. I was five, my brother was three, and my sister was a baby in arms at the time. One day a bloke knocked on the door and said, "Um, I heard you're having a bit of trouble. And they had this conversation at the door. I remember standing behind my mother, like, very suspicious. Who is this bloke? You know, (laughs) my my father, you know, because by this time I'm the deputized man of the house you know five years old and full of authority (laughs) (laughs) um this guy just showed up and he said you know i'm I'm happy to give you a hand if you if you need a hand and um mum relented and let him in which i was a bit suss about and um i watched on as this guy picked up my dad and took him to the bathroom and put him in the bath and 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 washed him and he came every day and he would, who he, who was he it was just a well, we didn't know him it was just a bloke from um from up the hill um who'd heard that we were having trouble and right. he uh he, um wanted to help yeah and so he you know i used to sit outside the bathroom door that sort of closed the door in my face <laughs> thank you very much yeah. and um and they would just talk. It was just conversations, and it was a whole different tone. You know, all the blokes in the street, it was like, yeah, 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 me and my beer, mate, yeah, blah, 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 me, me, me. At the top of their voices, you know, in the way that men can sometimes talk, pretending to be, you know, all feather duster. Anyway, this guy, he was gentle, you know, and he, and he was listening. And my old man, who obviously, was in a terrible time in his life. He's a man of action, and he's suddenly stopped you know he was completely undone by these injuries and um yeah they just they just talked and uh, and I listened at the door and and I just thought well this is a different way of being a bloke you know a bloke who comes and washes another bloke and they just talk and yeah I think that was that was yeah. a really interesting intervention it was Beautiful. about kindness c- compassion kindness decency and yeah I learned a lot from that I think I want to
0: reflect back to to some comments you made about your father, um, and almost this, this sort of these contradicting aspects of him, that on the one hand, he was this sort of tough cop, this big man that was, you know, the local policeman, but then he was also this gentle, kind person who helped out with, with the household chores, etc. And I'm wondering if this is part of the problem, that we see these as contradictory, when in fact, do we all have these different aspects within us? And if, if you don't mind me referring back to one of your earlier books, uh, Cloud Street, which is I think one of the greatest novels of all time, if I can say so. And you know, we we have this household of the lambs and the pickles, who are you know these contrasting families. And I'm wondering also if that was a metaphor of that you know this, the the ying and the yang, the the dark and the light that that we all have within us.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think that's true. I think you're you're on it. There are these two families, and you know, one family's sort of happy-go-lucky mm. and irresponsible, and just full of uh, they're all id, you know. Um, <laughs> They're just they're just um, madly mucking about and taking no responsibility, and the other family is all all responsibility and all industry and um, all uh, you know thinking about the future. And that's that's the two sides of us. And um, and I, look, I think that um, there should be no sense of contradiction about mm. being you know sounding like a bloke and being gentle and and soft and mm. and listening. There's this amazing assumptions that we're making that you know men should be takers and women givers you Mm -hmm. know um and i think when people ask me oh how come your dad's like that well i think well he was brought up by a strong woman it's probably as simple as that um you know he understood that what a woman was and that a woman was anything that she could be because his mum had proved it and uh and she went her own way i mean she you know like in cloud street you know my grandmother Did move out into the backyard Mm -hmm. and lived in a tent in in inner city Perth for 30 years. It was just, she needed to control her own space. The house was too small for her, um, and the world was too small for her, you know, it wasn't conforming to her idea of what the world should be, so she just moved out, and um, (laughs) after seven kids, I suppose you can understand, there weren't any (laughs) more after that, so, (laughs) you know, um... See, she was a really early kind of uh, f- feminist, and you know Dad never spoke the language of feminism, but I think you know in the end you are what you do and all your all your sense of orthodoxy that well that's that's for you to to worry about in the end you'll you'll be seen by your actions and I think if if you, know, if you have strong women in your life, you're more likely to um, be a decent bloke. Mm.
0: There's never going to be a simple answer to this, or even if there's an answer for me, it'll be different for for other men. But but I wonder if that's part of the answer um, to, to understand that 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 strength and weakness can exist within us. I mean, you, we actually started off the interview talking about some of the you know the many gains women have made, which I think we all agree is fantastic. And part of that is seeing that that women can be strong and confident and powerful, uh, but still. "Quote unquote feminine, but you know, still be lovable and soft and caring and compassionate. And I mean, is that what us men need to understand as well? That we we don't need to lose our strength by becoming a bit more vulnerable.
2: No, and I think people respect um, people who can make themselves vulnerable. There's a there's a strength there as well, mm. and there's a strength in depth. There's no surprise why a lot of men seem brittle. It's because you know all their stuff is in on the armor on the outside mm. and on the inside. Once you get through the armor, there's nothing to them anymore. They could they go to bits. And we, you know, in middle age, you see that. You know, you have a lot of friends who just. Um, once someone gets through their armor, they implode, um, because they, you know, they haven't trained up the rest of, the rest of them, of their being, you know, that's all, they're all surface, and that's, Mm. that's tragic, but, you know, you can just, you can measure a bloke sometimes just by how many female friends he's got, you know, what kind of, Mm. what kind of bloke is he, is he a bloke that people, you know, women will feel comfortable with, Mm. and... Or is he, you know, is it just him and his mum and his wife? That's pretty telling, really, I think. And there's
1: so many of us trying to work in that particular area, Tim, you know, to try to let boys know that it's okay not to be okay, and uh, it's totally fine to sort of buck the system, if you like, because the old stereotypes are a very difficult one to, to, to try to live up to, and also it's killing us. We're losing so many beautiful young boys every single day, so I feel as if that conversation now, and you're a massive part of it, is getting there, but it's a slow process, and it's very frustrating, and you must feel that yourself.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think, um, well, it's really interesting. You're watching women, you know, in the past couple of generations make huge strides, and it's great to see, you know, but they're motivated by reaching for something that's rightfully theirs, that's been denied historically, and that's that's power, and, and I, I guess the big word is agency, you know, being able to act, and, and I think it's great. You know, girls have been encouraged to be fierce and, and strong and, and not be compliant and all that. It's, it's terrific. The hard thing, hard thing is to try and find um, an equal motivation for men um, and it's hard because really the, to, to progress men need to, to shut up and listen, they need to uh, surrender, they need to you know, give up power um, and it's, it's a hard sell sometimes because you know they're sitting on this big pile of privilege but I think that if you explain to men that their life will be richer as a result, I mean, it's two ways in which it's richer. You have a, a larger paint box, you know, with which to paint, whether that's emotional stuff, whether it's language, whether it's just a, a fresh experience. But there's also just the great feeling that comes from doing the righty. You know what it's like when you, you give somebody a hand or you've got a bit more money than someone else and you can give them some dough or you can help somebody out. You feel great. Mm. And, if you, you know, I think if men understood how much the way they lived... Um, makes other people miserable. I, you know, the other half of the world's population. Uh, and if they could adjust their behaviour and realise that was making other people feel safer, feeling happier, it's um, a good feeling. You know, um, n- nobody likes being a turd. <laughs>
0: Um, that'll have to be the headline of this uh, podcast episode, I think. <laughs> but I think you know, you've actually hit on a really important point that I've thought about quite a bit in contemplating this issue, and that's the idea that I think, unfortunately, a lot of men struggle with—that is, if, if women are gaining, then somehow us men are losing, and that's kind of based on an assumption of a, a zero-sum game, which which I don't think is true. And I think you've hit on—you've you know, made the similar point that it's not true at all, because this really can be a win-win. There's there's a positive for everyone in this. Um, Do you think that that's part of the issue, that men need to understand that by women gaining, we will also gain?
2: Absolutely. I I, I think um, that response by men is actually a a very florid example of the the problem, Mm. that their response is a typically narrow male response. uh, agro-defensive, uh, response. You know, what's in it for me? Well, you know, civilization, mate. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because, you know, unless there's, unless there's equality, unless there's equal power, there's no civilization. And what we've got is something that's unbalanced and unhelpful, and the fruit of that's everywhere. You know, unhappy men. And and when men are unhappy, you know, they're unhappy and they make everyone else unhappy.
1: Tim, I, I see young blokes at the gym sort of building up their sort of muscles to look good and stuff, but they're in in sort of the intellectual muscle, if you like, you know, having conversations of real gravity before a crisis happens. No one does that. Uh, an example of sort of someone saying to you, well, you're going to play in the AFL grand final next week. And it's like, well... I haven't played AFL for years, you know, I'm too fat, I'm this and that. And they go, well, you're not ready for that? Well, it's the same thing that happens with men. When a crisis comes, we've never given the time to that emotional conversation of real gravity. So, of course, we stuff it up.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're right. And so many men are emotional infants. They haven't exercised uh, their their muscles to the point where they get into middle age and and they're not even, you know, their body is adult, but their spirit, their you know, their emotional core is completely undeveloped. So they're just not prepared for for change for and you know, no surprise when they see women making strides and stepping up, they feel encroached upon they mm. feel they shit uh, themselves i said this yeah, is not the way it's absolutely. meant to be absolutely yeah and but you get left behind you know you just think oh what about me you know and it's pitiful it's it's you know they are sort of stewing in their own stupidity
0: that idea of being emotionally immature and feeling left behind many of your characters including um the main character in your latest book the shepherd's hut uh for want of a better phrase outsiders is that part of the problem too that many men feel outsiders because they're left behind because of this emotional immaturity yeah, I think
2: this—it's about a lack of development. Um, some of it is, you know, they're outsiders because of class or geography or race. But um, mm. and also, you know, yeah. there are a lot of men who are lost because they're not allowed to be the kind of bloke that they would like to be, even if they don't even understand that. Yeah. A lot of us are lost in youth because we're so constrained. You know, we're we're robbed of language. We're we're robbed of um, opportunities to to express ourselves and. And for me, I mean, I, you know, language is really important. I mean, mm. it's, it's what sort of saves some of us. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm in the language business, but I, I think we're, we're all dependent on language and being able to express our feelings, express ourselves to one another um, is really important because when you don't have it, what you end up with is, well, really wordless rage. I mean, how many men in, do you know in our in, in our lives who are dangerous people? Because, just because they can't say anything, it's bottled up. They're just a like a you know a, a ticking bomb. Um, but some people feel alienated from from the world for you know really complex reasons. And you know, you, as you, you're right to say, there's there are no really easy answers to any of this. But just having the conversation to my way of thinking is is progress in itself mm. because, you know, it's not always been kind of a mainstream avenue. You know, it's just something that was always talked about quietly behind closed doors. Mm. Um, and I think that the more that we talk about it, the more people feel safe to, you know, engage in a conversation like this, the more hope there is that people can change. And, you know, we've seen so much change in in our own lifetime well, mm. I think we're roughly all the same age, where people stopped smoking, mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, we, we, we've changed the way that we think about uh, the planet. I mean, mm. not, not fast enough, but, yeah. um, we're you know, we're suffering a huge moral vacancy in terms of leadership on, on that front. But it's amazing how we've, you know, behaviours have changed in our own lifetime and this is a really, really pressing need for change. But change is hard. It takes time and takes and, great effort. Yeah, and taking is easy, you know. Change is hard and taking is easy, and I think what men should realize that um, there are many forms of courage and the biggest form of courage is the courage to give.
1: Yeah, and I talk to my son all the time about showing vulnerability, whether it's, I talk to him about a soccer match out on the weekend, he's playing with men now, he's 17 years old, and he just comes across like, there's not a problem, and I just know that that's a problem. I know that he'd be nervous and stuff, but the way that he handles it is to go inside himself, and he doesn't want to show anyone he's got any vulnerability, and... And I'm someone that shows vulnerability all the time. So I'm always continually, I speak to Steve Bidoff all the time. He's sort of like (laughs) a bit of a guru. And I just say, he goes, mate, just let him be who he wants to be. Stop putting your traditional DNA that's been given to you down to your fella. Just sit back and be there if he falls, but just let him bumble his way through and, and listen, you said it earlier in the podcast, you know, t- two ears, one mouth. It's something that I'm continually trying to learn because when you're a communicator, you know, you just find yourself talking all the time.
2: Yeah, and we, you know, we love to fill up a space, you know, fill up the gap because, uh, you know, a little bit of quiet makes us nervous. Um, yeah, true. And it's sometimes that we just do that. It's just, you know, where, and it's about control. We, you know, blokes have this weird thing, you, you get trained, this idea that you're about, you have to control the situation. But you can't control the world. You can't control who's in it. Uh, you're struggling most of the time to control yourself. Uh, <laughs> just, I, but, I find you know, myself,
1: Tim, with those moments, I'm trying to make the moment better. I'm trying to yeah. make the moment happy. I'm trying to make, um, I'll, I'll be the clown. I'll be the centre of attention. I'll make a joke about myself because I feel it needs a bit of a boost, the moment, the atmosphere and stuff. And when I talk to my son about it, who's very different to me, he goes, Dad, it's okay just to sit in a bit of silence and perhaps someone yeah. after a little pause will
2: wise s- young man
1: will say something different <laughs> he's like his mother I, yeah. he's, I, I mean
2: that's a very polite way of saying dad get your hand yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he actually does say that, Tim, but I didn't want to say that on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. He goes, did anyone else, get a Sorry to the anyone else get a fucking word in here today? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's, it's actually, um, actually a really important point there, which is not just for us men, but for everyone, really, the idea that we won't be happy all the time and that learning to be okay with being uncomfortable learning yeah. to accept, uh, the full range of emotions. You know, a lot of men struggle with this, that everything from happiness and contentment and satisfaction through to anger and frustration, these are all normal human emotions. We shouldn't be trying to fix them. Uh, they are what they are and we need yeah. to understand all of them for, for what they're worth.
2: Yeah. Mm. And I think really the word hanging behind all that is resilience, isn't it? Mm. You know, you can't train people to be resilient if they're expecting that, you know, every day is going to be Hollywood. You mm. know, it's all going to be great. Um, do you know, there's going to be days like these. You just have to, um, you have to sort of uh, have a big enough toolkit that uh, you can manage things when, when they're not so great. And you don't appreciate the good days if you haven't had a few bad days. And that's just finding some maturity um, and resilience. You know, they're the best sort of uh, toolkit we've got.
0: And just before we wrap up, I mean, one final point about that, I think the, the idea that that, if, you know, that on those bad days, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a failure. And I think a lot of us men think because of that idea that we haven't controlled it, if I can't control it, I've failed in some way. Well, no, we can't control things. That's just life. And, um, you know, accepting that's probably another piece of the puzzle that'll go towards the answer.
2: Yeah, look, I think, you know, men have got to give up some of being men and just sort of get on with being humans. Tim, can I ask you a quick
1: question? I've been working on this phrase. I went and saw a lady, a bit of a spiritual guru about seven years ago, and she saved my life, not into actual life, but in saved the way that my life is led now, and she's an absolute bloody champion. And I walked in the theatre one day and I said, I want to be 100% happy, and I deserve to be 100% happy, and there's certain things that in my life that are 100% happy, and if they're not 100% happy, then I'm, you know, I'm not going well. And she just said to me, well, let me save you a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time. Get out because I won't be able to help you. And we laughed about it. And we're still great mates today. And I see her sort of once a month rather than twice a week now. And we basically come up with a stat, 70-30. If you're happy or things are going okay, 70% of the time you're flying. And it's okay to have 30% where it's a bit shit. Certain days will be really bad. Other days will be 100% and there'll be days where you have moments that are awesome and moments that aren't so great. If you can sort of work your life around that and accept that and and, and just realise that that's the situation, then, you know, thumbs up.
2: Yeah, I think fair enough. I mean, you know, you also have to learn uh, how to be happy and how to – how to actually notice the good stuff that's going on. A lot of the time it's just we're unhappy because we're, we're not paying enough attention to what's, what's going on. We're, we, know, we have such narrow expectations of what's, what's positive. Sometimes yeah. I think we just need to pay more attention and we might be a little more content um, if we paid more attention because, you know, you're taking more in. That's about, sh- you know, shut up and listen, Mitt More.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Be A Man podcast. You're an absolute champ. Thanks for your time.
2: Oh, good on you guys.
1: Well, what a wonderful chat. I know you had a man crush before. I think you're going to have to fight me off now. I've got the same. He's a tremendous person and he talks a lot of sense.
0: It shows an amazing balance between, he's a knockabout Aussie bloke, loves his surfing, um, but he's a very thoughtful man who's given a lot of consideration to many of the issues that we're covering in this podcast series.
1: How can we show vulnerability and express our emotions better as men? Well, I think what came up several
0: times through that interview was the idea that we need to think more about what we're gaining and less about what we're losing. I think we need to understand, uh, as Tim said in there, the idea of resilience is built around accepting some flexibility um, that if we're so tough all the time we're going to break and I also like the point you made about that 70-30 idea um, there's actually a very similar formula within psychology it's often referred to as a positivity ratio which is that the ideal balance between sort of positive and negative emotions is about 3 to 1 which is not far off your 70-30 mm. and the idea behind that is that we won't be happy all the time we won't be in control all the time not everything's going to go right all the time we need to accept that 1 that one you know, for every uh, negative experience a negative emotion, um, we can try and have two or three positive ones. And that's really important because it means that when something goes wrong, when we're feeling shit out, that's okay. That really is okay. That's life. And, and it doesn't mean we failed in any way. It doesn't mean we're a hopeless bloke in any way. Uh, it's just part of who we are and it's part of who life is. And I think if we can accept that balance of the full range of emotions, the full range of human experiences,
1: we'll all be much better off. Doctor, thanks very much, mate. Look forward to talking to you next episode. If this episode caused any concerns, please contact lifeline.org.au or give them a call, 13 11 14. The Be A Man podcast series is presented by me, Gus Warland, and my great mate, Dr Tim Sharp, produced by the beautiful Live Proud and executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Be A Man is recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. For more episodes of Be A Man, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or look us up on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate and review us.